0: The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddihy with Nissan on News Talk. Before any of that, we're going to kick things off as we do every day with our afternoon update, uh, catching you up on everything that has happened uh, throughout the day. Fionán Sheehan is with me, the Ireland editor at the Irish Independent, and Laura Donnelly, um, an editor here in our newsroom as well. Uh, We might start with that story, um, Laura. This campaign we heard. Simon Harris um in the news headlines there with Bernie as well uh, talking about alluring uh, builders back from abroad
1: yeah, there's some money being pumped into this, but it's not any direct financial payments. So Simon Harris came out this morning to say he's launching a seven hundred and fifty thousand euro campaign to bring our builders back from the likes of London, Sydney, New York. But it's an advertising campaign, so it's not as if there's any financial incentive for the people to come back. So as you mentioned, is a is a builder on Bondi Beach in Oz gonna see that and think, Oh, get me on the next flight home but they need they need me there. Like they're they're we need to sort of look at why people left or what can we do to keep them here. Um, Like the ad campaign doesn't really pay a mortgage or rent for someone who comes home and we've been hearing throughout the day from people who sort of say it's better abroad like money wise or you know conditions are better apprentices are not paid a whole lot here and i know simon harris has mentioned you know pumping funding into apprenticeships and stuff but i don't know if like if that's enough to keep people here so uh, i think we really need to look at um what what we else we can do
0: what would you imagine the billboards will say above Bondi Beach, Fiona? That would lure a block layer back to Balihonus. Well,
2: I'd imagine Simon Harris dressed like Ken out of the Barbie movie. Oh, with yes. With his finger out like Lord Kitchener, saying, "We need you back." And as <laughs> he as he flexes his pecs Jesus, uh, a, on, on the, a cultural uh, the crossover, I wasn't so, expecting. Yeah, so Simon Harris trying to say, "We need you uh, back." I mean, the, the more things go on here, the more. Uh, I'm expecting the pop economists to come out any day and, and predict that the economy is going to crash because we're back completely in Celtic Tiger territory all over again. Early 2000s, we had severe shortage of builders such that to get the motorway program, the housing program was done at the time. We had to go abroad and we hired, We ended up uh, getting companies in like uh, Gamma, who were a Turkish uh, company uh, involved in construction at the time. Came out, did great work out in Ballymun, for for example. Then there was some controversy emerged when Joe Higgins, uh, the TD at the time, unveiled. Uh, uh, shortage of payments to said workers that it was being siphoned off in different accounts so that whole that like saga bit out so we're back in that territory again where we're basically saying we need 50,000 construction workers where are we going to get them we either bring them in as migrant labour into the country we either create them ourselves through apprenticeships or we get some of them back you're probably going to end up falling down the route of creating them ourselves mm. and that seems to be part of the underlying message here is we need to make apprentices more attractive that a quarter of a century on from free, free fees we don't need everybody coming out with an arts degree
0: it, it's it's hard to maybe convince people of that though isn't it because yeah. governments successive governments have spent the last 50 years convincing people of the exact opposite Yeah, you that know, that you, that third level education, you, go get a profession. Yeah, that you need to
2: get your applications in under the CEO, you have to apply for, for 10 different courses across the country uh, and that that's the the route to perfection uh, in in life. And look, there are there are obvious difficulties. I mean, it's it's you know, it, there's a reason why if you're a skilled construction worker, you work You'll be out in Australia rather than here. the The weather, the working through wind uh, and and rain on on a day uh, like today, it's heavy, uh, hard uh, labor. It's not suited uh, to everybody. It can be a, a short career because people can't keep up with the pace. Then when they when they get get older, so there is all of those. Difficulties apart from the basic health and safety and, and yeah. so on as a attached to it. It's a tough uh,
0: life. Laura, they've talked before as well about kind of luring other workers back from abroad, healthcare workers specifically. It hasn't been that successful uh, in the past. And even that clip we heard of uh, from Simon Harris in the news headlines, you know, he talked about a lot of builders who left this country in maybe 08, 09, 2010 and, and, uh, and don't realise, you know, that the country, it's a different place now. Where where have they gone to? At like the North Pole or something. I mean they've all got WhatsApp on Bonday Beach. They know what's happening here.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're they're hearing from us here as I don't come back. But yeah. God, um, is the recession over? Go
0: away. I didn't realise that until that. Simon <laughs> Harris paid for a billboard. And, Simon, you, and you're running water on other places, Jesus, do you? Hot and cold. Hot and cold. <laughs> Get me on a
1: flight. Yeah, Simon Harris is looking for 50,000 of them to come back. And I just, I don't know. Like the irony as well of this, and it's been said so much today, we're looking for people to come back here and build houses. Where will they live while this is going on? Mm. So it's just, there's a few things that just don't really seem to add up. Just another sort of aspect of it as well is Simon Harris says he's going to go talk to schools and find out what it is that we need to do to make people like look at the other options. As you said, there was a time where college was your only option. I certainly was never like nothing was ever suggested to me. And I went to a girls school and we never had any subjects that could even lead you to this kind of career. So I suppose you do need to take a few steps back down the the channel and see where the issue is.
0: Uh, Where Should they live when they come back? It's an interesting one because, Fionn, I I, I remember last year the British government came in for an awful lot of stick. The Bibby Stockholm, this uh, barge that's floating in the Thames Mm. that is housing asylum seekers. And uh, while all that was going on, a friend of mine pointed out he used to live on it because he was a construction worker and they were doing a huge project in Rotterdam in the port and they don't have enough housing for the construction workers when they need them. So they were living on barges uh, floating uh, in the canals of, of the
2: Netherlands. Yeah, and, and, and this does play into the uncertainties around those careers as well. Who were the very first people to lose their jobs when the housing market collapsed 15 years ago? Only people working in the construction sector and they're the very people uh, who left. And we're now saying, oh, come back, tis all, all grand here, we'll, we'll be stable. The Labour Party are talking about building a million houses over the course of the, of the next 20 odd, odd years. So there'll always be a job here for you. So if, if you're happily ensconced elsewhere, what's the attraction going to come back here? Talking to people who have moved abroad as well over the course of the last generation, they have said they're quite shocked when they come back to Dublin and actually look at the property prices in Ireland. We, we still have got an enormous difficulty here, which plays in. To this whole notion that the shortage of, of supply has driven up uh, house prices exponentially. So it's not worth the while of many of these people uh, coming back here in the first place. Uh, RTE, uh, we'll move on
0: uh, because they are going to be back in the headlines really from tomorrow on, actually, Laura. Sinn Fein of a motion tomorrow, is that right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. The story's been bubbling along over the last few weeks. But as you mentioned, Sinn Fein have a motion tomorrow to abolish the licence fee and replace it with exchequer funding. And then back to the good old days of the Public Accounts Committee. That kicks off again on Wednesday, with Orte expected to send some of its representatives. Before that, uh, we've spoken; I've spoken to you on this show before about the toy show, the redundancy packages, and all the controversies that have emerged in recent months. So, there's lots to talk about, and of course, the big question is who will be in front of the public accounts committee?
0: Yeah, so if you know, we, we, we it, I think it's October the last time we had representatives yeah, from Orte uh, <clears throat> b- b- before these um, arraughters committees, and as Laura says, there have been developments since. So there'll be lots of questions
2: for them. And the developments have swung back towards the people who are still in place uh, in RT mm. and what they knew, when, why they didn't say it and why they didn't speak up at the time. For example, on, on Toy Show, the musical, we will be seeing whether uh, five particular members of the board uh, at that time who were still on the board of RTE if they will show up this week and explain why was it that they failed utterly to interrogate uh, this policy decision going through the organisation put forward by the management that they would put on a musical that was going to cost the best part of of 3 million quid and ultimately cost them uh, 2.7 million. uh, And ultimately nobody asked any questions. They seem to have been provided with plenty of information about it, according mm. to the, the report by by Grant Thornton. Likewise, with the redundancy program, uh, which has come out in in recent weeks, we've seen that ten staff were granted redundancy, and they shouldn't really have been because it breached the the rules as set out by the Revenue Commissioners. We also had a, a, a high level executive in the organisation given redundancy when there was barely no reason whatsoever to do that, and yet we had senior a senior executive in the organisation who is still there now who know all about this didn't tell other members of the management, didn't tell tell the board. So the questions will be, well, okay, if you had this information, A, why did you not speak up at that particular time?
3: And
0: B,
2: you guys were in here six months ago and you didn't tell us anything about this.
0: Uh, Organisations, Laura, when they find themselves kind of mired in controversy, I mean, one of the tactics um, uh, that they pursue, uh, they don't talk about it, but they certainly pursue, is that they just weathered the storm. You know, after a while, kind of the steam will run out of this story and people will stop caring. And, and to a degree, people don't care the same way they did back in June and July and August about this story. I, I wonder, though, Does the licence fee element of it all mean that it's not going to entirely disappear from the kind of the the, the agenda?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's not as blockbuster as it was last summer with the Ryan Tuberty pay deal. But and the the Severance pay as well. I mean, I'm not sure how many people are that excited. But the Toy Show, I think, drew in a lot of of interest. But I think with the licence fee, it's something that people have always had an issue with. Like there's been a lot of people who don't pay it recently or never paid it at all. So I think that's the one hook that people will still care about. You're looking for me to pay 160 euro after, like people are likely to say, after everything that we have observed in the last year, it's a hard thing to swallow for the average person on the street to pay that and then watch what a, a company does with it.
2: Uh, they've I had think, two they've yeah. had two strategies up until now which have now run out of road and that was, that the first one was kick the touch. We have a report commission, we can't talk about nothing yeah. with the way of our report <laughs> yeah. to come back out. The second one is what this come from the land of tribunals a quarter century ago. The dead man strategy. The person who's gone is to blame for everything. Just keep on saying... That person there—they're not—they're gone. They're not available, and so on and so forth. And that has happened a lot with D Forbes. And I think that one's run out of road as well, because the reports that have come out now have quite clearly shown. Yeah, you can blame other people, but there's a, there's a substantial level of culpability here on your part as well. All
0: right. Well, listen, uh, we will be talking about that a little bit later in the show uh, as part of our political diary. Uh, before I let you go, it is kind of Valentine's week, and great announcement just in time. People who need a last-minute present, you know? Yeah, ACDC. AC-
2: romantic ACDC tickets available in the middle of August. Anybody who's in any doubt about how brilliant these guys are? Put it going to YouTube. Put in oh. ACDC Buenos Aires and the, the absolute performances. See, I, I wonder would
0: you be a big fan? I know, kind of a rural gentleman like yourself. No, I, I, well, I, the, I thought you might be, but you're you're a bit southerly. You, you you know, your be, You thought i be a kind of the border, a, the more hardcore. You, you your thought I'd be kind of a bland, more Genesis kind of guy, is it? Yeah, like I are, well, yeah, I didn't want to say it. Maybe dire straits when you're feeling really yeah. dangerous. Shania Twain? Would that be more up your sweet Lauren? Yeah,
1: I I wouldn't have put myself as a Shania Twain fan, but I had real FOMO last year. She's only here about six months ago, and a couple of my friends went, and I wouldn't have put them down as Shania Twain fans. So now I I, I think I I will um look into going. I uh, just realised she does clash for the Swifties. She does clash with Taylor Swift being <gasps> here.
0: No way! Taylor's going to be on the Aviva Yeah. Oh, stop! You'll have to manage that's your Shania diary bad. better. God, oh, yeah. that's that is that's going to cause me on on. You're going to have Heartbreak. to get You're oh, <laughs> going to have to
2: get a helicopter. Break. Yeah, listen,
0: I tell you, there's only one kind of singer in this country that I'm interested in, and that is young Stevie Mulroney, uh, who yesterday uh, lit up the Aviva Stadium. He was the highlight, I think, of the sporting weekend, uh, we can agree. And most importantly, Stevie, who sang Ireland's call before the Italian game uh, in the Six Nations, is not only a fellow Kilkenny man, he's a fellow Dixborough GAA man, and he is with me now. Stevie, it is great to catch up with you. Uh, How are you today?
3: I'm great, Patter.
4: That's
0: not Padder, that's Kieran. <laughs> you were just talking to Padder, Stevie. This is Kieran here. Uh, listen, w- was it very exciting yesterday?
3: Yes, it was very exciting yesterday.
0: Were you nervous beforehand?
3: Yes, I was nervous, a little bit nervous, but because the crowd, you know, I'm um, trying to fit as many people as possible in the Aziva, trying to fit as many people, and there's like a giant crowd. Looking down on me, yeah, that that was the only part that I was scared of. All the rest, it was just fine.
0: And once you started the song, did, did the nerves calm a bit? Did they disappear? Did you feel happier?
3: Oh, yes. When I just bursted into the song, I wasn't nervous at all.
0: And Stevie, I understand you met some of the players as well on the captain's run the day before, did you?
3: Yes, I did meet some of the players the day before.
0: Who did you meet?
3: I met Aki, Peter O'Malley, um, James Lowe, um, Josh Van der Craig. Craig Casey, can't remember all. Oh, wow.
0: Yeah, Ve- you're very, very lucky. Who's your favourite players?
3: Um, my favourite players are... Aki and Peter
0: O'Mani. And, and I'm sure they must. They remembered you from the late late show, didn't they?
3: No, they didn't. Ah, someone of course they did. You. No, someone had to tell them.
0: Ah, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure they were only they were only pretending. See, everyone remembers you from the late late show. The, you were the highlight of the show uh, uh, that day. Tell me, are, were were your friends very jealous of you getting to sing in the Aviva yesterday?
3: Yes, some were.
0: Somewhere, I'm sure they were. Wh- where else would you like to sing, Stevie?
3: Um, in Croke Park, um, maybe in a couple more stadiums.
0: <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. Do you think Kilkenny will be playing in the All Ireland final in Croke Park this year, Stevie?
3: Maybe, yeah, maybe.
0: May- maybe. So put- Yeah, they certainly are a good team. And listen, I know you'll be back training as well with the Borough uh, in a few weeks' time. I was talking to one of your coaches who says early March, maybe after Patrick's Day, they'll have you back out and they're looking forward to it. So I'll see you uh, out in Palmerstown. Uh, Seamus is with us as well, uh, Stevie's at. Seamus, were you nervous for him? I wasn't
4: too bad, Kieran, to be honest with you, because I had seen him earlier in the week rehearsing with the Garda band in College Barracks And he had one go at it, and he nailed it, and then they did it a second time, and that was it. We could go home. And I also saw him earlier in the day do it, so I knew, I was pretty sure that he was going to be okay. Initially, I was worried about the timing, because how Stevie sings the song and how he sang it on the Late Late Show, it's very different. It's a lot slower, so I was a little bit nervous on the timing, but uh, he worked with Muntor Sylvia from the Gael Skull, and she had him spot on and it was fantastic and of course the other lady that was there Jennifer Dalton who sang the two national anthems she really helped him out as well she kept him calm so we're uh, indebted to her as well for looking after him for the day Kieran.
0: Yeah I, I was funny I was listening to Andy Farrell I'm sure you were afterwards who, who thought that the other singer was his mother and assumed it was his yeah, mother accompany right. him onto the pitch.
4: Well she certainly looked after him you know but uh, yeah she's a lovely lady Jen and I think she did a fabulous job as well. But of course, when you're competing with an eight-year-old, then it's difficult as well because everyone's talking about the child.
0: Yeah, listen, he stole the show, and uh, listen, it's been incredible, I'm sure, uh, uh, for the whole family looking at uh, at the different people lauding praise. And I saw you retweeting praise from Jeffrey Donaldson.
4: Oh, that's right. Yeah, look, we'll take the, the little bit of attention when we're getting it, Kieran. It's coming from all angles, but that's the one thing, you know. Uh, I know people have their different opinions on the song, but at least it's the one song that does bring everybody together, and so Stevie's very proud to sing it.
0: Well, listen, I, I can't imagine better PR for the song uh, than Stevie singing it and the reception he got. Uh, so uh, Seamus, listen, thanks a million for chatting to us. And Stevie, it's great to talk to you uh, again. And like I say, I'm sure I'll see you out in Palmerstown in a few weeks uh, when training with the borough uh, gets up and running. Stevie Mulrooney, who, of course, sang Ireland's call at the Aviva yesterday. Fiona Sheehan, Ireland editor at the Irish Independent. Do you want to give us a few bars before I go? Maybe VC DC. Thunderstorm.
2: Maybe more Steve Command <laughs> and <than> myself. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Laura Donnelly, an editor here in our news. And listen, thank
2: you as well, uh, Laura. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.